Welcome, Minifiners. If this is your first time joining us, then I am Alina Van Dyke, your podcast hostess. Minifines was birthed out of a desire to inspire others to go deeper and to expand their God box. So many of us are stuck in striving and stuck in religion and tradition and things that we've been taught, and we really need to come to a new place where we fully understand our identity in Christ and understand and see Him rightly. And so I just want to help chip off the things that stand in the way of you fully embracing who you are and who He created you to be. I believe that transformation happens in the midst of all these little things when we take time to reflect and rest and pause and think and Sabbath. And so as I invite you to go deeper in your faith and embrace wholehearted relationship with Jesus over striving and religious tradition, then I want to really refocus our view to one thing, loving him with everything that we have. Psalm 27, 4 says, One thing I ask of the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek Him in His temple. People that are in the prayer movement have used this for prayer. And today that's my topic, is to talk about prayer. But I I really want to first just check in on what is the one thing We're told our whole lives, if you're Christians, that you're supposed to love the Lord first. And I myself have struggled. Like, how do I have a spouse and still put God above my spouse? Like, how do I truly put him first above everything? Because it seems like the moment you get attached to something in this world, especially something as deeply intimate as having a marital partner, it's really hard to put other things above that. We think of early falling in love, that first love feeling, and you're infatuated with somebody and they take all of your time and attention. Or you think of being a workaholic and being consumed by work. Are you able to still put God first as the one thing that matters more than anything else, even when the chaos of life or the joys of life steal our attention? How do we keep him first? And I I don't know that I have the perfect answer to this, but I have my personal testimony. And that is that as I tore down my life and he entered me into a job season and everything went away, shut down the wedding planning business, was successful for 10 years and taking over the Southwest as an award-winning wedding planner, as he took away my husband and I no longer had a spouse, as he removed all of these distractions from my plate, I came to a place where the thing that really, truly, genuinely did matter deep down was him and him alone, because that was the core of who I was. I always believed that deep down, even if I wasn't living it and wasn't fully acting it out. I knew he was the thing that mattered. And so I, I tore down every other distraction. He did. We did. I'll say we did it together. And, and I ended up going off to Kansas City. And so if there's any girl that can talk about prayer, hopefully my little short season serving in the Night Watch at the International House of Prayer in Kansas City has some kind of um, experiential knowledge of prayer. Because when you sit from midnight to 6 a.m. for six months in a row and log that many hours just sitting before the Lord and trying to talk to Him and beholding His beauty, seeking His face, then you get some experience doing that. And what you learn is that truly and genuinely, that is the only thing that satisfies. And it's, it's weird because 
in the day-to-day life, everybody's like, how could I make time for that? We have so many Sunday Christians or Sunday Catholics go drinking on Friday night, go to the casino on Saturday night, go to church on Sunday morning, repent, do it all over again, work like crazy all week. And the only time they're really focusing and going, Lord, what do you want for my life is maybe on a Sunday morning. But when you shift your perspective so that the one thing that you are constantly thinking about, the one thing that you are constantly redirecting your attention towards is prayer, is a conversation with the creator, then you stay connected to him more than you stay connected to anything else. And I personally am a testimony to this. So like I'm, you know, living this crazy life, go off to IHOP, KC, do my thing for a few months, come out of my missionary lifestyle and trying to do both and kind of stay half a missionary, half out of it. Um, But then I fully move home about a year ago. And so after like three years of living that life, come back to quote unquote, the real world, as most of you would say. And at first I didn't have like a full-time job, but this summer I've been helping some friends with their business. And so I've been working full-time, like even 50 hours a week or more, not to mention projects and ministry assignments and other things on weekends and nights and staying very, very, very busy. And I, I was really fearful honestly, like, and I will admit my fear of coming into that season again, because I thought, gosh, I don't know if what I have learned and who I've become really genuinely is strong enough to withstand the pressure of my old workaholic addiction. <laughs> and and I wonder if if I'm really working this much, if I'll be able to truly focus on you, Lord, still, or if I'm just going to get sucked into the old me and I'm you're going to be an afterthought. And I, I didn't trust myself and I didn't really trust him to keep me on track. Um, wow. I mean, he really has met me this season. He has been present in my work. Um, he's shifted my heart to focus on him in every pause, in every moment that I can. When a difficult customer walks in, I'm praying, I'm thinking about it. Like, Lord, give me patience. Help me with this person. Um Every single moment, there still is only one thing I'm seeking, and that's connection to him and relationship to him above everything that's happening around me. And I guess maybe the introverts in the room understand this. It's like you're in a crowded room and you can kind of be in your own little world. And I don't mean that I'm disconnected from the things that are happening around me, but I do mean that I am genuinely connected to him more than I am connected to or at least equal to my ability to be connected to everyone around me. And so in the midst of a conversation, when somebody walks in the door and they unexpectedly have to spend the day with me, then I'm like, Lord, why is this person here? What do you want me to say to them today? There's got to be a divine reason why they showed up. I look at everything through the lens of everything happening for a reason, everything being spiritual, everything being meaningful, but finding that meaning finding the spiritual depth to what is happening in the physical world. There's got to be a reason, but I don't know what that reason is yet. There's got to be a lesson or an epiphany that's going to come out of a conversation. There's going to be encouragement or a life-giving moment where I can feed into their soul. There's got to be a reason that this stranger has appeared in my life. And when you walk through life with that perspective it shifts things. I mean, you're constantly looking for opportunities to make a difference. You're constantly having a conversation with the one who knows all things about how to 
speak into somebody's life, what they need, why are they here today, what can I do for them, it turns you into a servant. It turns you into um, a giver, a generous giver, instead of someone who is internally focused. You're looking at the Lord and you're looking at the world around you and how to make it better. And so I don't, I don't know that that's what Paul meant when he said pray without ceasing, but I, I do think that he meant to have a constant conversation with the creator and to make sure that he was the one thing that we sought, whether or not he meant it in the way that I ended up applying it. <laughs> having that attitude prevents us from having an offended heart. When somebody walks into the shop and that I've been working at and they're upset and angry and everything else. Don't get me wrong. I can react, but I have, I have this, like, there's gotta be a reason. Why is this happening right now? And because of that, it keeps my heart tender before the Lord. So I can leave at lunch, not fuming and still angry. I got yelled at, but instead right back in the place where I'm like, Lord, what do you want? What are we doing today? I give you my day. I hand it to you. Protect me, whatever my prayer is. I want to start with that little testimony because I think when people talk about prayer, it seems impractical. It seems like something that they don't actually know how to live out and they don't know why it would actually be meaningful. Like we're told to pray, we're told to start our day with the Lord or do a devotion or whatever, but like, does it actually make a difference? And I can tell you that it actually does, but it only does that when we stay in that heart posture. So if you give him the 15 minutes in the morning, but then you forget about him the rest of the day, then it made a difference for that 15 minutes, but it didn't necessarily make difference for the rest of the day. Same with the Sunday thing. Every Sunday you can think about the Lord, but then if the other six days of the week, you're not actually being transformed, then you're not really shifting your life. It's not making a difference or it's really slow progress, which, you know, you can do that, but I, I like to go big or go home. So, so first things first. Why do we pray? We pray because there's no other way to have a relationship with somebody except to talk to them. You have to communicate. That's basics. <laughs> it's probably not a real answer, but I'm going to start with that. Because even Jesus prayed. You have John 13 through 17. You have so many places that the Lord is praying. You have the Lord going to be baptized by John the Baptist. These things are meaningful. If they were meaningful for Jesus, they're meaningful for us. And I'm going to start with Psalm 2. In Psalm 2, the Lord says that the nations rage and the people plot in vain and that the people take counsel together against the Lord. So let's start there. Do you want to take counsel against him or counsel with him? I want to counsel with him. I want to be constantly in a conversation with the Lord. And then I'm going to skip to the middle of Psalm 2 and say that the Lord turns to Jesus, the anointed one, and says, you are my son and ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage. If God the Father commands Jesus the Son to ask him for the things that he has already promised him, then we should ask for the things that the Lord has promised us. And we should pray and ask for those things without ceasing. Jesus gave parables about prayer, it says in the Bible, in order to encourage people to not lose heart when they prayed. It is easy for us to give up on a dream or give up on a vision and lose hope 
when we don't see things fulfilled. But the Lord says to keep asking and keep praying. Can you imagine if Jesus is coming back, then he has been asking for like 2,000 years to have the nations be his inheritance. And he is still in heaven continuing to ask for that promise to be fulfilled. And he hasn't given up yet. And he's continuing to stand up there in intercession on our behalf and constantly pray and intercede for us to come into full and fulfilling relationship with him. And he hasn't given up on you. He's still asking the Father for your heart and for you to be healed and for you to be moved and for this world to come to a place where we all focus on the one thing, the one thing that truly matters. And as far as I can tell, that one thing is loving the Lord with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and loving others as we love ourselves. And I can totally tangent and I will try not to, but I'm going to say this really, really quickly. Many times I say that and I know that people are not actually grasping what I am saying. I am telling you that if the church has told you not to love yourself, to put everyone else first, to care about everyone else, that God commanded us to love others at the same time and at the same level that we love ourselves. This isn't an unhealthy command. This isn't codependent. This isn't encouraging people to be unhealthy or to give way above and beyond they can handle. This is treating each other with love and generosity and showing the world what it means to love one another. And if we're doing that rightly, then I can't overgive because the other person is aware of that and in loving me in response prevents me from overgiving. If we are genuinely walking with a community that we can love each other as we love ourselves, then this isn't an unhealthy love. This is a love that is patient and kind. And that means that we are patient and kind with ourselves as well. And I know I'm not reading the whole verse, but I'm, I'm hoping that you're getting what I'm saying. And if that doesn't totally make sense, then go read the definition of love in 1 Corinthians 14. Okay, now I'm going to get weirder. <laughs> so go to Revelation 4.8 with me if you have your Bible. In Revelation 4.8, there are these creatures around the throne room, around the throne of God, and they're living creatures, and they day and night never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Can you imagine for all of eternity, since the beginning of time, hypothetically, there have been creatures standing around the throne room, repeating over and over and over, holy, 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 holy. They are constantly seeing more and more and more of how good and how amazing and how holy and how perfect he is. And they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy. And if they have been doing that since the beginning of time, then I promise you that in your short little life of a hundred years, you can walk through every day having a conversation with God where you learn something new about him because he's unending. And there's constantly new things for you to see. He is never changing, but we are constantly evolving and growing and able to see more and more and more. And so I encourage you today to start, if you haven't already, 
with the simple prayer, Lord, open my eyes to see you. Let me behold your beauty. Let me hear your voice. Let me see you move in my life. Whisper to me what direction to walk in, how to behave, what to do. Encounter me and interrupt my life in moments that I'm headed in the wrong direction, when I'm quick to be angry or quick to speak and I shouldn't be. I want to seek you. So change my heart to want to seek you. The beautiful thing about prayer is that you are not transforming yourself. God is the one who's in the transformation business and he loves to come in and do it for you. So again, a weird personal testimony, but so like if I, for example, um, return to my old habit of drinking soda, which I tend to not do. I'm normally a pretty good girl. If I've gotten into the habit again of getting a little addicted to the sugar and being like, mm, root beer sounds real good right now, then I just ask the Lord to take the desire away. And all of a sudden, I don't want it anymore. It's not like I have to change myself. It's not like I have to strive. This is about asking for the things that are in his will. And he does them. So if it's better for me to not drink soda, then he will take it away. And it's that simple. It really is. We make life really hard. And we think that we have to do everything. And we put the weight of the world on our shoulders. We put the weight of our lives on our shoulders, of our success, everything. But when you shift your perspective to know that everything comes from him, like we talked about in the last podcast, then you know that he's your provider. And when you know that he's in charge of everything and that he's going to give you your daily bread and you don't have to worry, then you don't have the weight of having to figure it all out anymore. And all of a sudden it's like you have the freedom to enjoy life and figure it out step by step instead of the burden of having to try to figure it out on your own and feeling alone. And so how do you do that? You start talking to him. Everything starts with prayer and it probably ends with prayer. Like literally everything is about having a conversation with him. So I know this is getting long. I'm going to move on to my next one. I just have two more for you. I want to go back to the Old Testament for a second and look at Daniel. So you have Daniel who's having a fast for 21 days. This is in Daniel 10. And he's been mourning for 21 days, for three weeks, and crying out to the Lord. And after three weeks of seeing zero change and putting his body through the fast and continuing to mourn and hearing no reply from God, not seeing any shift, not seeing any changes, all of a sudden an angel shows up with an answer. And he says that this prince of Persia, some principality or power has been withholding him from being able to meet with Daniel and being able to um, answer Daniel's prayer. And that the Lord is very pleased with Daniel for his behavior, for his fast, whatever, for his heart posture, I assume. This angel points out that Daniel has chosen to humble himself before the Lord and that he is highly esteemed by God. And I'm going to jump real quick, even farther back in the Old Testament to 2 Chronicles 7.14, where the Lord gives a command and says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray 
and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Daniel is humbling himself and seeking the Lord's face. He's focusing on the one thing and he's saying, Lord, change my land, change my situation. And he's fasting. He's crying out to the Lord for this. And the Lord, after 21 days of silence, responds by sending an angel. If you think your prayers don't matter and you're not seeing a reply yet in the physical, there can be things happening in the spiritual that are being fought. There are principalities and powers that stand against us. Things are moving. Your prayers do matter. They are being heard. And if you keep praying and keep persisting, you will see answers in the physical. So don't give up. We're going to move to the New Testament. And I guess I got to connect them with this thought. One of the things that really catches me in verses about prayer is that they're seems to be a thread about doing it day and night or doing it constantly and without ceasing. There's this cyclical thing about it, like every day, every night, all the time, don't stop, don't stop. And in Luke, the Lord is giving a parable and he talks about, this is actually what I was talking about earlier where I said that he would give a parable to make sure that they didn't lose heart in their prayers. It's Luke 18. And so he says um, that there's a widow And that she comes to the judge who doesn't fear God and doesn't fear man. And she pleads her case to him and that she doesn't stop every day. She's there at his door every day. She's bugging him every day. She's asking for justice and she won't stop. And so the judge says to himself, even though I have no compassion for this woman and I really don't give a crap at all about her situation, I just want her to leave me alone and stop pestering me. And so I'm going to give her justice just because I want her to go away and stop bugging me. And, and Jesus compares that earthly judge who simply by being annoyed would do the right thing. And he says, would not a good God who loves you move on your behalf and listen to you? Jesus says, will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you. He will give justice to them speedily. Do we believe him? Do we believe that Jesus knew the heart of the Father well enough to tell us the truth about God? If we do, then whether on the surface we're actually living it out, deep down we should know that that is true. And so even even in this, when you hear truth, when you hear the word of God and you know it's true, but you don't really, really believe it, like you don't know it through and through and every bone and every blood vessel, then just ask for that. Just start with, Lord, I know that you're trustworthy and I know that your word is true, but let me really believe it. Let it resound in me. Say, I, I want to trust you. The disciples said to Jesus, Lord, help our unbelief, right? So that's where we start, just like them. I want to, but I don't, so help. I had a friend uh, mentor at IHOP KC, and he would get up on the mic and just say, Lord, help. And that's enough. 
if that's where you start, more power to you. I have moments that all I got is Lord help. And, and I think there's even humility in that. And there's kind of a beauty in the midst of that humor to say that we've come to the end of ourselves and now we're turning to the creator who knows all things. And you're the only one who can help us, Lord. I know this episode is a little, at least, I don't know, to me it feels a little random, <laughs> like a whole bunch of little different facts that are technically connected, but meh. Um, that's what Menifanes are. You know, you read the Revelation 4.8 and you're like, whoa, there's things that constantly look at you and say, holy, holy, holy. Whoa, you're saying that God is quick to listen to us and answers our prayer. Whoa, Jesus is still asking for things that the Lord told him would happen. Like how long has he been asking? And he, he hasn't given up yet. Those, those little moments, those can change you. Those can bring the spirit of revelation into your life and give you those epiphanies. And just to refresh that, epiphany by definition is an encounter with the divine. It's an encounter. It's a moment that you meet God. And so when God shows up in a thought, in an epiphany, in an aha moment, that's the sweet spot. Like that's, that's when we see him clearly just for a brief moment, just for a mini moment. And those are the moments that change you. So let them, let them change you and honor them. Don't just think they're insignificant. They are significant. All these little things are really big things. So if even one of these tiny little things allowed you to see God a little bit more clearly than I did my job today. (laughs) If the Lord spoke to you or revealed himself to you while you listened, and I pray that he does, then I hope that you will share this podcast with a friend. If your app is still open, please click subscribe. Please reach out. I want to interact with you. You can find me on Instagram. Hopefully I will hear from you sooner. But if not, until next time, Minifiners, from the bottom of my soul, thank you for pursuing the Lord with me. You give me hope that there are other people on this earth that want to seek him with everything they have and learn how to love him with everything that they are. Now go have a conversation with the lover of your soul.